Welcome to The Sea is Medicine, where we explore the ocean's power to heal, inspire, and transform our lives. Today, we have a canine named Ricochet and her guardian, Judy. Judy Fredono is the executive director of Puppy Prodigies and Ricochet's guardian. Ricochet is a certified therapy dog and part of a nonprofit called Puppy Prodigies. She provides emotional support and healing to kids with special needs, people with disabilities, adaptive surfers, wounded warriors, veterans with PTSD and more. She is rooted in the human-canine bond and dedicated to helping individuals grow in mind, body, and spirit through the unconditional love and acceptance only a dog can provide. Ricochet also provides surf therapy, and she is in an IMAX film called Superpower Dogs that is currently showing on Hulu. So welcome, Judy and Ricochet. It is so great to have you here. I'm really excited to learn about what you guys have been doing in the water and um, all the, the healing work. Yeah, so thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, so you're located in California, correct? Yes, San Diego. Okay. And um, so you're by the ocean. Yes. And did you grow up grow up there too? No, I'm actually from Chicago. Oh, great. So I came here to work at a service dog organization. And I did that for a year as a trainer. And then Ricochet was born and everything changed. <laughs> so were you before you moved to California were you really into the water I mean you're on the Great Lake but no I mean I didn't even surf so I I like watching the water and looking at the water or being in a boat on the water but I'm not crazy about being in the water but that's what Ricochet does so I had to accommodate her and <laughs> because I don't surf, uh, we have a, a, one of a water handler for her that takes her out in the water. Oh, okay, cool. Okay, great. Well, so now I think we should probably get into the story of Ricochet and, and how this all began. So you said you, you were actually there for service dogs and, was it a program of train um, raising uh, service dogs, training service dogs? That's what you were doing? Yeah, I actually did a puppy raising. I started doing um, in Chicago. And okay. then I decided that I wanted to learn how to train the dogs. So I went to school in um, Santa Rosa, California, oh, and got an associate's degree 
in service dog training and then came to San Diego to work with an organization called Positive Teams as a trainer for their dogs. So I did that and was doing that for about a year. And then there was a woman in um, Oregon who is a veterinarian and had a female that was pregnant and wanted someone, me, to whelp the litter. So she had her puppies at my house. And I knew there was going to be a litter of 10 puppies. And I knew I wanted to keep a girl. And we were on the ninth puppy, and they were mostly boys. So I turned to the mom and said, okay, make the next one a girl and let her have a piece of white fur on her chest. And it was just a statement out of the blue, but out came Ricochet, a girl with a piece of white fur on her chest. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, so it was like made to order kind of. That's incredible. So, yeah, sort of a serendipitous start. Oh, yeah. Her whole journey has been serendipitous, like completely. That's amazing. And so um, with that, did is that where the Puppy Prodigy thing started or how did that come about? Well, Puppy Prodigies is a nonprofit that I founded um, prior to Ricochet. And it was to train dogs to be service dogs for people with disabilities. That's what I was set out to do. And that's my plan was with Ricochet. And she was a brilliant puppy. I do a lot of very early puppy work and Um, puppies are like sponges, so they learn very easily. And so she was really, really smart. And then she turned about 16 weeks old and shut down and didn't want to train anymore. Oh, wow. Yeah. I struggled with her for like a year and we just were getting nowhere. She just did not want to train. She wasn't interested. I knew what she had in her because she already showed me. But right. she just wasn't into it. So, and then when she was, I think, seven months old or something like that, then she started having an interest in chasing birds. So that was another problem because service dogs <laughs> kept chasing birds. So she was a real challenge to the point of I was almost ready to rehome her. Oh. And then um, I decided finally, okay, she's not going to be a service dog. This isn't going to work. And at the same time, the positive teams was placing one of their dogs with a 14-year-old boy who's quadriplegic, and he was an adaptive surfer. Oh, So I thought, okay, well, I don't want Ricochet to have come into this world and not made a difference. So maybe we can fundraise for him and help him pay for the dog he's getting and his therapy. So we set out to do a fundraiser. And... My idea was, okay, he's an adaptive surfer. She's a surf dog. Like, she likes to surf. And my idea was, okay, well, let's get them both on their own boards. We'll push them in a wave and show what they have in common. And we'll use that for the fundraiser. And we did that a couple times in the water. And at one point, Ricochet jumped off her board and onto Patrick's. Oh, wow. So it was her making the decision and after struggling with her for a year and her not wanting to do pretty much anything, it was like she was born again that day in the water. 
she oh, came wow. back to life. She was running back and forth to do it over and over and over again. Oh, um, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So I was finally able to see what she wanted to do with her life. And once I finally said, okay, and I nurtured what she wanted, then everything kind of fell into place. And she started surfing with kids who had disabilities and raising funds. And um, that's kind of how she started. It was a lot of surfing at that time. And that was 13 years ago, I guess. She's 13 now. So um, yeah, cute. it was completely her decision. And like I said, I don't surf. So when she was a puppy, I could take her out in the water in the shallow and but she got to be too good of a surfer for me to be able to handle her. So she has a, a, a several water handlers, but one main water handler that would take her out and help her surf with the kids. That's so cool. So wait, so how did she become a surf dog? It was you, you would just take her to the beach and then she just sort of got in the water or how, how did, how did Ricochet like, well, become a surf dog? Back then, 13 and a half years ago, dog surfing was kind of a novelty um, that a couple organizations um, like uh, Humane Society type place that did a surf dog contest to raise money. So back then it was just, you know, let's get the dogs on the board and have a good time. So I knew that I knew about that. So I just kind of played around with it with her. And when she was eight weeks old, she was in a kiddie pool and there was a boogie board and she climbed on and had really good balance. So Uh, we kind of kept playing with it. Um, But then, like I said, she got better than what I could help her with. So she was meant to be, well, in my mind, she was meant to be a service dog and we were playing around with the surfing on the side Right. But as it turned out, surfing was meant to be her main activity. Right. So that like ended up being, she did end up being a surface dog. Well, so. no, not a traditional service dog. Um, well, she was yeah. released from that role, but I call her a surface dog now. Yes. Yes. A surface dog. Exactly. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's so incredible. So, yeah, we'd love to hear more than about the surface work that Ricochet has done and and how it has impacted like so from that from that one fundraiser where you saw this uh ability in her what happened like what transpired after that and how did you get into working with you know, communities and, and doing healing work in the water? Well, the um, the first fundraiser for the 14-year-old boy, Patrick, was really successful. Um, I can't remember. I think there was three or four years of his therapy that was paid for through a grant because of the fundraiser and, um, awesome. and then obviously donations and such. And from there... I remember saying to Patrick's mom, how do we ever beat the top? This This is amazing. And I know it was just the beginning. And I I put a video together of what happened that day. And it went viral. 
and I think it's got, I don't know, over 6 million views now. But that video was kind of like jump-started everything because everybody got to know who she was and what she did because of that video. And then, so that we did in August, I believe, and then we finished it in November, but then we were still getting donations. So we started another fundraiser, and that one was for a young boy named Ian. At the time, I believe he was six, and he had been in a car crash with his parents and two siblings, and his parents were killed, and he suffered a brain injury. So he used to surf with his dad, and somebody had sent me an article about him, and I contacted the news station and said, is there any way you can put me in touch with them? We'd like to help them out. So then we did a fundraiser for Ian and he was still hesitant to go back in the water because I I that would be. Yeah. And you know, the water was reminded him of his dad. So it was a very emotional kind of endeavor. And so he was scared and, but having Ricochet to go with him, he got more excited, like excitement kind of took over the fear. So he surfed with her. And then from there, it just continued on with different kids and different organizations that we worked with over the years where she would surf with them. And um, kids that are physically able, let's say they have autism, they actually use her body to be able to stand up on the board and then actually surf. So they use her back end to kind of hold on to and she'll balance the board and then they can focus on themselves without having to think too much about the board. So she did a lot of that for many years. Um, And then from there, she's also a certified therapy dog. So she works also with um, service members and veterans with PTSD. And through that is where I found her healing. Like I, I identified what she was doing and she actually will tell me how someone's feeling or share with me their deepest thoughts or emotions through her behavior. And what happens is a lot of times these people are in therapy doing all kinds of different therapies and it's just not, getting anywhere or not getting where they want it. Right. With Ricochet, she goes so deep into their soul that they, I explain to them what her behavior is showing me. And then they kind of validate that. Yes, that's what I'm feeling. So the feelings now are brought to the surface and they can then talk with their therapist about it. So she does, she's incredibly intuitive And I've gotten really good at being able to understand her behavior and what she's doing. Um, So that is what she's best at. The surfing is great too. And there's certainly a lot of healing in the ocean. There's healing with the dog. But I would say most of the magic happens on the beach when she's actually interacting with the person, exchanging energy and and giving them her healing energy, taking away their negative energy. And yeah. there's just like that, that time when it's an exchange. 
and I can see it happening. Um, I know when it's happening and sometimes other people can tell too, but it's just, I'm so used to doing it with her now that I just can tell, like she gets a glassy look in her eye, she <laughs> kind of, you know, it's just, it's different. Wow. That's really amazing. Now, you said she was working with like veterans and trauma, post-traumatic syndrome and, and trauma. Yeah. Is one of those things that it's hard to just find one thing, right? There's, it's a, it's a very, it's a multi-layered and complex uh, condition. And I was just wondering, do you have uh, any specific examples of like people she's worked with and how, that happened. And I'm also curious, is she working with them on the beach? Is it always around the water and on the beach? Or is she also working with them in an office or a closed? Not always on the beach. The beach is one of the main places that she goes, but Mm -hmm. she also works with these service members and veterans in the community and it's the program is to reintegrate them back into the community after having been deployed mm. um, and having a dog with them, a therapy dog, makes it easier than if they have to go and traverse themselves. Right. Um, so what happens when they well, what happens when they're in the military is they get training for months, right? And they're trained all kind of things to be aware of everything. And so when they're when they're deployed, they have to be on pretty much twenty four seven and be aware of everything that's happening around them because right. anything can be a threat. Well, when they come home, that's really hard to turn off, and they then become hyper vigilant just in the community, and the, and then they get anxious and have a really hard time. So one of the things that I've learned through Ricochet is dogs are hypervigilant by nature. So they are already look and see and hear and smell everything that's going on around them. Even though they may just have a very, you know, maybe their ear, they'll flick their ear or lick their lips or something very subtle. But anytime something changes in the environment, the dog's behavior changes as well. So if the service member watches the dog, they don't have to be as hypervigilant because if the dog is just laying there comfortably, there is no threat. If there was a threat or a perceived threat, the dog is going to change their behavior in some way. They might stand up, they might look around. So then the person would know, okay, there's something going on behind me. So we do a lot of that. Oh, nice. And then with her intuition, I, um, I'll give you an example where, with her behavior and this, and she can do it with strangers. Like she doesn't even have to know a person. She doesn't have to develop a relationship or anything. She could just meet them and then just start doing, you know, telling me things or knowing things about them. So this one girl, she was a, I think she was a Marine and we were just walking through a neighborhood, a quiet neighborhood, um, no busy streets or anything, just regular side streets. And, we get to a crosswalk. And one of the things that Ricochet does, one of her main modes of communication is she'll stop and she won't move. 
And when she does mm -hmm. that, she's alerting to something. So I typically will look in the environment to see, okay, what could she be alerting to for this person? And it, and this time when I looked around, the only thing that was there about a half a block away was a garbage truck that was picking up garbage. So it was making the noise, but it wasn't like right by us. So I asked the girl if trucks were a trigger of hers and she said no. But then as we continued to chat, she started telling me about this time when she was going to go across a, uh, across a crosswalk and she stepped off and a motorcycle didn't see her. It almost hit her. And then right behind the motorcycle was a truck who also didn't see her. And the mirror of the truck actually hit her in the head as it went by. Oh, and She had trauma in a crosswalk. So oh, even, though she, even though she wasn't consciously thinking about it at that moment, right? Ricochet knew. And again, I didn't know this person. All I could do is say, this is what Ricochet is alerting to. Does this make any sense to you? And at the beginning, she said no. But then as we started chatting, then it came to fruition. And yeah, okay, now I know you had trauma. And so... When Ricochet does that, when she alerts to something and stops, and I'll usually say, okay, show me which way should we go? And she took us up a long driveway away from the street. So it's things like that where her behavior is showing me. And like I said, the person wasn't even consciously aware. Yeah. So it's a lot of things like that that I can't necessarily explain how she knows. Right. I just know she does it. And... I've gotten really good at reading her and then the person um, will validate what I think she's saying. So then that makes it valid for me. I mean, it's just such a beautiful way of healing and, and connecting. And, and Well, the thing of it is, is it's safe. I think that's the biggest thing is it's very easy to trust a dog. Yeah. And then in turn, they trust me because they trust my dog. Right. And many times if someone has post-traumatic stress or trauma, it's not something that everyone can relate to. Like we can't relate to what went on in the war with someone. Yeah. We don't know. Um, and a lot of therapy tries to get them to come back into our world per se. Right. And same thing with kids with autism is they try to teach them streamline into what we, how we learn opposed to how the child learns. So with Ricochet, she goes into their world. She doesn't yeah. have the expectation that they have to come and form to ours. And then the other thing is a lot of times people might not believe them. And many times a person has said to me, Ricochet is the only one who believes me. Oh, so, oh. <laughs> so it's, hard. Yeah. yeah. So it's, you know, they, they find comfort, they trust her. They think she believes them um, and they feel comfortable. So it's the thing, you know, tr trauma therapy can take years and years to yeah. go through. And what Ricochet does is get right to the, the soul of a person in a minute. Yeah. So um, we were working with a Marine who we continued to work with after the, our regular therapy visits were over. 
and she actually is in a movie with him, an IMAX movie. Oh, cool! What is yeah. the movie? It's called Superpower Dogs, and it's oh. on it's on Hulu because of COVID. But it's going back in the theaters now as well. Oh, cool! That's so exciting. But with him, he was like one of the hardest people we worked with because he'd always say he was fine when Ricochet wasn't telling me that. Mm. So, you know, he could fool a lot of people, but he couldn't fool Ricochet. So he had (laughs) to finally give in. And that's when his healing started. So he talks about that in the movie. That's amazing. I think, yeah, it's really important, right? If we're going to heal and, and face like our pain, face things, we need to have trust and we need to have safety, right? We need to feel supported and safe. And that can be really hard when we haven't had safety in the past and we don't know what it's like. And it's just so beautiful that, you know, Ricochet can be that connection and, and that instant like friend and support that they haven't had. Yeah. It's powerful. Yeah, really powerful. Often Ricochet like goes to the water now and the ocean. Like, is it something that she needs to be around or, or like the water or the beach or, or, yeah, not, um, or like what's her connection? Because obviously there's some, there's got to be something there if she turned into like this surf dog. <laughs> Right. And I'm from Chicago. So, they don't, you know, there's not a whole lot of places in Chicago to surf. So it was right. like everything had to work out the way it did for me to be in a place that she could surf. So the beach is her home. The water is her home. That's where she feels the most comfortable. Now that she's older, 13 yeah. and a half, she likes, I guess I'd say she prefers to lay in the shade at the beach now. <laughs> So I let her do what she wants to do. But um, we go to a surf clinic that is through the Jimmy Miller Memorial Foundation. And they go to Camp Pendleton and take out the wounded warriors and those with PTSD and other trauma. And they go take them surfing. Oh, cool. So she usually hangs out on the beach with them. But when it's time to leave, she never wants to leave. Like she'll hold herself still and I can pull on her and she won't budge. So I know that that's where she feels the most comfortable. That's where she feels that she's at home. And, you know, with COVID, we stayed home for two months, the first two months. After that, I was like, she needs interaction. Yeah. I can't keep her from that. So we started going back to the beach. We'd make house calls. I'd obviously wear a mask and the kids would wear a mask and glove. I'd stay six feet away and she would go and interact with them. And during COVID, there was so little touch. So having a dog to actually be able to touch and hold and hug really made a difference and helped. So with her... Uh, I don't know what you want to call it, psyche or whatever it is. I know that she can't be sequestered. She needed to be with people. Right. So I felt like the benefit outweighed the risk. So then 
we started. So we only stayed home for two months. And then after that, we were on the beach. Um, and then also what she needs, because she takes on a lot of, a lot, you know, a lot of trauma she takes. So she needs a release. And her release, I live on a half an acre, but her release is digging. So I have holes all over my yard. <laughs> I allow it because I know she needs it. Oh, yeah. That's really cool. Now, is there any other dogs that you've worked with or train or? Yeah, well, now that I've learned so much from Ricochet, I can read dogs way better. I mean, I'm a dog trainer. I have a degree in service dog training, but this is very different. This isn't training. This is listening to the dog. Right. Um, often it'll look like bad behavior when a dog is trying to communicate something. So I have another dog, um, a golden lab. She's four, almost four and a half, I guess. And for her, she doesn't surf, but she thinks everybody that's in the water needs to be saved. So <laughs> she started doing canine assisted swimming for kids with special needs. Oh, cool. So both of the dogs are in water. Yeah. And for her, she also is very intuitive. And she one time alerted to a seizure that a child was going to have in the pool. Oh, Unfortunately, wow. I didn't know what she was doing at the moment. Unfortunately, the surf instructor or swim instructor was holding this little girl. So everything was fine. But it's just sometimes we learn. We learn how they communicate with us. I believe dogs come here with a purpose. It's just us humans that have to honor that purpose and we don't typically do it. We don't know, you know, just we're not trained that way. We don't know. So I've learned a lot. I have a lot to teach um, just as far as what dogs are trying to tell us. So, and, you know, it's Ricochet that started it all, but I can pick up on, what my other dogs are trying to tell me and much sooner than I did with Ricochet. Wow. Yeah. Now, are you going to do more uh, dog training now that you've had all of this experience? Um, I don't think so. I think I might do more educating um, owners of what their dogs are trying to tell them. Cause so yeah. often dogs are, so, you know, they're relinquished to shelters and, and worse for behavior problems. And sometimes those behavior problems really aren't behavior problems. The dog is just trying to tell them something. Yeah. So it's just being able to recognize and listen to that. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I do a lot with Ricochet. I don't know what's going to happen when, she, when she's not here anymore. I'm assuming that we're going to continue her legacy. Um, yeah. But I don't know what that looks like yet. Now, I'm just curious if there's a few simple, um, like, things you could share, uh, like dog behaviors you could share with us that maybe get overlooked. Well, a big one is dogs alerting you to something. So or trying to tell you something. I want my dogs to tell me. I want them, like the puppy had a real problem with barking. That was the way that he communicated. 
Um, and obviously a service dog can't bark like that. So it, it was, it's been really hard to train him out of it, but I've shown him and helped him learn there's other ways to communicate. So one of the big things that he does and Corey does is they'll put their head on my lap. And that means something. I don't always know what, but then I'll, sometimes they might do it because they're hungry and it's time for lunch or dinner or something. Sometimes um, they might do it if somebody's anxious. So for instance, um, I think the easiest way to explain it would be somebody that has anxiety and their dog is trying to help them and they don't recognize it. So often what a dog will do is lick their face um. because licking their face brings them back into the moment instead of having to be with their mind racing with anxiety. Um, sometimes they might paw at you. It could be maybe you have a headache and they can feel it and know um, and it can be annoying if a dog keeps pawing at you. It's like, stop already. But what I recommend is if the dog is doing something that not don't necessarily like, is to just stop for a minute and assess where are you, what's in your environment, what's happening in your environment, and then how do you feel? And could it be that the dog is picking that up and trying to tell you about it? Mm. So it's just checking in with yourself, I think, is the biggest thing. Yeah, interesting. I guess it's better to, you know, we probably have the assumption, right, that they're our pet and whatever. I, I don't know. I guess we think of dogs sometimes differently. How if, however, if we reframed that these guys are actually <laughs> communicating and and so beneficial and, and supporting us all the time, then we can maybe be open to start to see some of the things that they actually have to share and some of the gifts. Yeah. And I think what happens a lot is we, we say, no, we, we, you know, we tell the dog, no, don't do this. Stop. And right. at some point they just give up. Whereas like with Ricochet, the more that I listen, the more that I observed her, the more she showed me. And the more I learned and I still learn, I'm learning every time I'm with her, I learn something new. She shows me something new. Um, just recently, she's been acting really odd. Um, I give my dogs like a cow's ear chew thing. <laughs> and they go off and they go to chew it, whatever, in their own little spots. And Ricochet will take hers and put it in the middle of the floor and then be a few feet away. And if somebody comes, one of the other dogs comes near her, right away she wants to jump on them. So it's like she's setting them up. And it's a new behavior, and it's odd. Like, she's just not that kind of a dog. So I realized that I think she is acting out what someone else is feeling. Mm. And she hasn't had the opportunity to dig for a while because I have it closed off because of the puppy. So uh, she's still holding on to some kind of negative trauma, something, and it's coming out in that behavior. So that's a completely new concept for me is that, okay, 
she interacted with somebody a few times, but now she's showing this behavior and it's not happening in the moment, but she's taking it home with her and doing it at home. So I feel like there's a person that has an issue with trust and maybe they set somebody up to see if they can trust them. And then the person lets them down. Right. So it just, you know, I don't have that relationship to be able to discuss and like that with this particular person, but I think that's what's happening. And it just, it go, it keeps going. Like there's more and more all the time of what these dogs can do that. Well, I'm just scratching the surface and, you know, it's hard for me now because Ricochet's 13 and a half and she's the most intuitive dog I know. And I've learned so much from her that once she's not here, I don't know what that means. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. However, you're continuing to work with other dogs, so um, that's yeah. That's I am, but it's not the same. I mean, like Ricochet's just she's one in a million kind of, you know, your once in a lifetime dog, and even the scientists can't explain to me what she does. I've tried. I've asked them. And there's one that said she made me a believer, but I can't explain it. (laughs) Another one that said she's ahead of science. And it's okay. Well, we don't have a whole lot of time to figure it out. So (laughs) I'll have to kind of just resign myself to the fact that I'll never really know. Yeah. But be blessed that I was able to experience it. Yeah. What a gift. What a gift. Has she been in any studies or anything? Did you do any formal? Like- no, I wanted her to be, but the the um, scientist there was a couple, couple scientists in Japan that were wanting to do it, but it never came to fruition. And then COVID came, so. Oh yeah, yeah. Wow. Tell me about the nonprofits. You have a couple nonprofits that you're. No, just one puppy prodigy. And it was started to be a service dog organization to train dogs for people with disabilities. But like I said, a year after I started it, Ricochet came around and everything changed. (laughs) So now it just um, encompasses service dogs, therapy dogs, and emotional support dogs and education. And, you know, I'm getting old now, so I don't know that I'm going to be doing many puppies or anything like that, but certainly have a lot of knowledge to share. Yeah, definitely. A lot of knowledge. It would be so helpful. Gosh, it could be just so healing, right? I mean, so many issues and problems could uh, be worked through, I think, if we really harness the capability of our canine friends. Definitely. Yeah. So I guess I thought you had another nonprofit because Ricochet also sort of has his own, her own website. Well, everybody knows Ricochet. So, okay. You know, they don't, not everybody knows puppy prodigies, but if you say Ricochet, everybody knows Ricochet. So she does have her own website and social media is all in her name. Okay. Okay. Great. Yeah. I'll show, I'll share the links in the show notes. So if anybody wants to check out that video is so touching and heartwarming and it you know it's just really great for us to remind it right that we all do have talents and gifts and and it's about 
you know, allowing them to show and develop and finding the support for that. And um, I think it's really amazing that you just went into the relationship with question and curiosity and wonder instead of like shutting down and uh, deciding that, okay, this isn't working. We're going to do this. I mean, I'm sure it sounded, it it sounded frustrating, but I, I feel like, you know, what was it in your relationship with Ricochet that, um, you know, kept you inquiring and kept you, you know, wanting to learn more? Well, that year when we were struggling, it was just a struggle. It was very frustrating. But the day when she surfed with Patrick, she came alive. And I saw it, you know, I saw it. Yeah. And it was like, okay, this is what she wants to do with her life, obviously. And then I just allowed her to be who she was and nurtured it and just continued to learn from her. Yeah. You know, I, I'm just trying to figure out because not everybody would be that like open to discovering. Once I like, I wanted her to be a service dog. That's what I wanted. That's why she was brought into this world. Right. And that was my mindset. So I had these expectations of her. That's what I wanted. That was the way I was controlling her. And once I let go of control and I said, okay, just whatever is meant to be can be, that's when everything just fell into place. So I no longer try to control anything. I believe everything happens for a reason, even the bad stuff. And I feel that I am a... um, I don't know what I would call myself. I, I feel like I work for the universe. Like I'm a, yeah. I don't know what the right word would be. And the work that Ricochet and I are doing is of a higher power. Yeah. And by letting go and letting it just be, then things that are meant to be come, um, they just fall in your lap. You don't have to, like the movie. I wasn't looking to be in a movie. Right. But, it, you know, it's great because it raises so much awareness and such. So and that just came to us. So I just let things come to us. And if something doesn't come, then it wasn't meant to be. And it doesn't mean I'm not disappointed or anything like that. But it just, you know, like this whole COVID thing has really thrown a wrench into raising awareness and ricochets um, just her her life and her relevance and such. And right now I feel like we're drowning. Like I can't get back out to do what she does. Like the military, that whole program is still on hold. So Uh, we've been muddling through, but it's nowhere near the same. And it's really hard for me to accept that she's going to go out, not doing what she loves. I don't think that's going to happen because I'm going to let her continue doing what she does. It's just not to the degree that we were doing it. So it's hard. It's seeming hard to get back there. And I don't know what that means. And then also with the puppy, 
I feel like I made a mistake. Like, why am I raising a puppy at, you know, this last quarter of Ricochet's life should be the best. And I have a puppy. So I'm a little confused right now as to what it all means and why it's happened this way. But for right now, we're not supposed to be doing anything, I guess, or at least not to the degree we once did. I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe maybe somewhere else. I don't know. (laughs) Say what? I said, or maybe somewhere else. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I'm just yeah. waiting for whatever's meant to happen to happen. And yeah. in the meantime, I feel like we're not doing enough. I'm right. used to being really busy and helping a lot of people and raising money and go, go, go. And we're not. So yeah. it's a little hard, but um, I, I guess I have to just trust that it's going to work out the way it's meant to work out. And so I'm just hanging in there right now. Yeah, yeah, many of us, I think. And I think there's something to that, though, um, at least for me and my experience with the water and the ocean and, and why I do this podcast is that, you know, for me, like the ocean has always been a teacher and, you know, teaching us to let go and, and go with that flow. Mm-hmm. and just trust right trust the waves trust. right and that's the hardest part is the trust yeah but i feel like i'm i'm honoring whatever is meant to be and whatever my role in all of this is i i'll honor it and i'll do whatever i'm supposed to i just don't understand it right right yeah yeah it's it's a little bit counterintuitive i think uh than what most of us grow up with and, yeah. and what we're conditioned with. Exactly. However, I think that the quality of life is so much richer and different and I would say better. Any advice or last things you want to share? Uh, maybe for those dog owners out there. I mean, just listen to your dog is the biggest thing I would say. They're always communicating with us, but the only way they can communicate is through the behavior. So don't always think that they're misbehaving. Just try to look at it as what might they be trying to tell me. Like what's the best way to find out about, what you offer and nonprofit, like is there a website people should go to? Yeah, um, Ricochet's website, surfdogricochet.com, has all the information. Okay, great. So people can yeah. connect with you there. And on social media, it's surfdogricochet. Okay, surfdogricochet. Awesome. Anything else to share before we close? I think that's it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. It was really fascinating and it's very inspiring.